This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this guy back. He's the owner over the Babylon Bee. It's Seth Dillon. Seth, how are you? Good to see you. I'm good. Good to see you again. You are good. You know, I've got to ask you, right? I think right out of the box, people watching and listening want to know this one thing, first and foremost, from you, Seth Dillon. Does Elon Musk own Twitter because of you and the Bee? (laughs) (laughs) I can't take full credit for that. I can't. Uh, You know, Musk had expressed some concern about free speech for some time. Um... You know, I think the Babylon Bee was just an obvious, egregious example of the over, uh, overreach of the censors, the moderators that were in control over there. So um, did it add to his motivation to take over Twitter? I think absolutely the answer is yes. Was it the sole reason that he bought Twitter? No, I can't take credit for that. I think his concern for speech, free speech is what, uh, is what motivated him to buy Twitter. Yeah, but but he, he, he really likes you guys. I mean, you, you guys had a big, elongated sit-down, which I thought was an amazing interview, and it really showed us who this guy was through and through. And then shortly after that is when you got suspended, right? Yeah, that's right. We interviewed him in December of 2021, and then in March of 2022 is when we got locked out. So it was just a few months later after that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he was concerned about that action that Twitter took to lock us out for a joke. You know, he thinks that comedy should be legal. You should be allowed to joke about these things that they try to say are off limits. In fact, that's part of the comedian's job is to joke about the things that the people in power want you to, want you to treat as off limits. So Musk recognizes that. He's got a good sense of humor. And so, I mean, we're, we're happy to have an ally in the world's richest man, or at least he was the richest man until uh, Tesla stock started plummeting. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, Seth Dillon. He's the boss over the Babylon Bee. They've got a great live event happening in Fort Worth, Texas on February 24th. Go to BabylonBeeLive.com, BabylonBeeLive.com. Uh, it, now, it's been rumored, and this is like folklore now, that he either called you or texted you and said, did they really suspend you for that joke? Did that happen? <laughs> yeah, we had a conversation with him after that. Um, and so, you know, when, when, when he ended up taking over Twitter, though, we hadn't communicated with him about that whole process. Um, he just did that. And apparently, Washington Post published a story about how his one of the first orders of business when he came in was to issue a directive to bring back the Babylon Bee, which I thought was kind of surreal to read that in the news that he had gone and taken that step. So um, very cool. Very cool stuff. It's, um, the tweet was actually, would you say, um, Time Magazine's Man of the Year is Rachel Levine, right? <laughs> or was it the Babylon Today, Bee? Was it the Babylon Bee's Man of the Year? USA Today had named <laughs> Rachel Levine one of its pick for Women of the Year, right. and so we satirized that by saying the Babylon Bee had chosen Rachel Levine for Man of the Year. That's the tweet that got us locked out of Twitter, and they wanted us to delete it, to bend the knee, to say that we engaged in hateful conduct, and we refused. So we were prepared to sit in Twitter jail forever. Here's somebody who's a government official, a public a public figure. We know that he started dressing like a woman at 50-something years old. He recently mm-hmm. said that uh, he's so glad that he transitioned late or else he wouldn't have his children, which is – there's a mental illness there that I can't even tap into, Seth, to be honest with you. And you being a satire site – what you what you say, what you write, is to be laughed at, is to be funny, is to it's known sarcasm and satire. 
Why do you think they went so far as to say you can only be funny within the realm of what we say you can be funny in? Hmm. Well, I think it's a way of propping up a narrative and an ideology that can't withstand criticism. You know, they, they're not really willing to defend their ideas. They don't want to have an argument about it. And so they want to shut down any opposition, even if it's opposition that's in the form of a joke. Um, mockery is extremely powerful in exposing foolishness for what it is. It really, it's an effective way of, of showing something to be foolish. And so it's one of the first things that tyrants go after is, is the mockery at their expense. And that's exactly what you have is you have this situation where you have people who are described as marginalized. When you look up what the word marginalized means, to be marginalized is to be like forgotten. It's to be relegated to the sidelines, to be right. ostracized. And yet the people who are supposedly marginalized are the ones who exercise so much power that if you so much as joke about them, you can get yourself suspended, you can get yourself canceled. Uh, so, you know, it's really it, – these are really people in positions of power who are using moderation uh, uh, censorship um, to silence opposition and so that their worldview won't be exposed to ridicule and reputation. So well said. And by the way, um, satire and mockery and, and humor is as old as time. Without it, we don't even exist as, as a human spirit because it lifts us up to laugh at a little something. It lightens the load a little bit. And what you guys do with the Babylon Bee is so well thought out. It's so cerebral, yet at the same time, it's laugh out loud funny. If people aren't following the Babylon Bee, make sure you do on every outlet and also go to BabylonBee.com. For the live show that's happening in Fort Worth on the 24th of February, go to BabylonBeeLive.com. It's Seth Dillon, the owner of the Babylon Bee. Um, I was suspended from Twitter when hydroxychloroquine was proven to be to be helpful for COVID-19. I just put hashtag hydroxychloroquine works and I was suspended. Mm. I did bend the knee and I felt like an idiot when you guys didn't bend the knee. I, pro- <laughs> I probably shouldn't have. I mean, I, I feel like an idiot for doing it, but I wanted to get back on there and make fun of them for doing what they did to me. And I mm-hmm. did that. Um, but but I think that your course was, was better. Did you think at a time that you'd never be back on on Twitter? Because Twitter was certainly a, a big... I don't know if it was a big revenue pool for you. You can say whether it was or not, but it certainly was a great exposure um, site for you. Yeah, Twitter is very important to us. It puts us in the conversation. You know, there's so many people who are out there engaging on Twitter. I mean, how do you think Musk knows who we are? He engages with our stuff on Twitter, Joe Rogan, and and if if he sees us on Twitter. Um, So, you know, it's important to be part of that conversation to to take action deliberately that you know is going to result in you not being on that platform and not having a voice there. That, you know, that's, that's pretty serious for us, uh, regardless of how much revenue it generates. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I don't think it's stupid necessarily to, to take a different route and delete the tweet to get back on and mock them. Um, it was, it was perhaps foolish of us to, to dig in the way that we did because we still could have effectively mocked them if we had come back. Uh, but I do think there comes a point where people need to say, hey, look, we're not going to play these games anymore. You're trying to dictate what's true. You're trying to dictate what we're allowed to joke about. You're often wrong. You know, Bill Maher said Twitter does need a new sheriff because they get it wrong so much. Yeah. And I agree with him. You know, free speech is about debating ideas. It's not about deciding from the top down what ideas can be spoken or believed. So well said. And, and Bill Maher is right, and I don't agree with him on an awful lot. Um, I saw you on Rogan, and I love that you stuck to your guns on abortion. They always bring up the case, the 12-year-old girl got raped by her uncle. You wanted to have the baby? It was it was very, very, very good that you just, well, first of all, that's that's a case that almost never happens. But if it does happen, the baby didn't do anything wrong, and killing is still killing. And you've also mm-hmm. stuck to your guns on, on people transitioning. Uh, I had Caitlyn Jenner on my show. Uh, we had a two-part deal where I said, listen... I idolized Bruce Jenner. I was nine years old when you won the decathlon. 
Um, mm-hmm. Had you decided to, to compete against the women, how would you have done? And of course, Caitlyn Jenner cracked up. Oh, how stupid. Of course, I would have killed the women. Right. Mm-hmm. Every boy, every man wanted to be you. Every woman wanted to be with you. Tell me how I'm supposed to come to terms with the fact that you're now Caitlyn. That's the conversation we should have, isn't it, Seth? It, it, the conversation shouldn't be, Dylan, you're going to call Rachel Levine a woman, and if you don't, you're going to go to jail. No, it certainly shouldn't be that. I mean, these are things that we should be allowed to talk about. And it really isn't a matter of, of, of trying to dictate what these people are allowed to say about themselves. Right. You know, I honestly, I don't care how a person identifies personally. Um, I don't care what their orientation is. I don't care how they identify. What it comes down to is how they, how they uh, you know, try to get other people to go along with this, where they're trying to force you to use certain words. They're trying to get you to affirm these things that you don't necessarily believe. Yes. Compelled speech is wrong. I think trying to get people to affirm things that they don't believe is wrong. You basically get in this situation where most people have to choose between being silent or saying what what they're told to say, and they don't have the choice to speak freely. And I don't think that's a healthy place for a free society. 1,000% right. If, if Rachel Levine, who's over 18, wants to put on a dress and live as a woman, it's Richard, but wants to live as Rachel, fine. If Bruce Jenner wants to put on a dress and, and get some surgery to feel better about who he or she is and call, call me Caitlin, I'll do that. But the fact that you need me to say you are now a woman or you need me to right. say you are now a man or you need me to say men can menstruate and have babies, you know, at, at some point you've got to say, well, hold on a second. You know, up is up, down is down, and you can't change that. Again, if yeah. you want to live that way, I've never, had a pro- I've never had a problem with drag shows. I've never gone to one. But I certainly have a problem with five-year-olds going there and putting dollar bills in panties of grown men. I mean, yeah. why can't we have that angle? Why can't we have that opinion? Well, we certainly should. I think reality matters. And when people say, you know, why do you care so much about this? Well, don't you care about the truth? And supposedly, uh, this whole age that we're in where we're constantly worried about fact-checking and, and curbing misinformation that's harmful, shouldn't we actually care about the truth? Uh, you know, they, they try to call things misinformation that aren't misinformation uh, in their efforts to kind of push their narrative through. But it's the left that's really concerned about fighting misinformation. If so, then we need to actually be concerned about what's true, what's reality. And let's have a debate about that. Let's just talk about it. I think you and I decided a long time ago that Twitter was, was you know, they were, they were leaning on the, the scale and, and making sure that one side got the coverage and the other side didn't. Uh, I, for a time, got five retweets with 100,000 followers. It didn't make any sense. Um, mm-hmm. But did you know it was this bad? I mean, that we're seeing the Twitter files. And it's mind-boggling. The FBI paying the millions of dollars. You've got you know meetings weekly, if not more than weekly, with the central government or with the Biden campaign before he became president. And Twitter was just complying. Anything they wanted, they did. Handled. Took care of it. No problem. It's gone. Did you know it was this bad? No, I don't think there was any way to know it was this bad. It was funny. You know, uh, Musk was being interviewed. I'm not sure what show it was. Maybe it was a podcast. And somebody, and and in response to somebody, he said, you know, most of these conspiracy theories about Twitter were actually true, and in some cases, it's worse than what right. the conspiracy theory said. It's pretty astonishing, you know, how how brazen some of this stuff is. I mean, a lot of us could sense what was happening. We could, we were experiencing it. Obviously, we knew there were a lot of conservative accounts that were being throttled or suppressed or had been silenced or permanently banned, oftentimes for clearly politically motivated reasons. Right. But to see what was going on the scenes, going on behind the scenes, especially with the government collusion, where you have government agencies, individuals in the FBI, you have these people communicating directly with Twitter, telling them what to do, Twitter acquiescing. 
uh, it's just absolutely remarkable. It, 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 it goes down to this issue of the First Amendment that for so long we were told that this is a private company, they can do whatever they want. But if the government is applying pressure on them to do that which the government can't do constitutionally, then that becomes a free speech issue. So it's really important. It's really it's really incredible that Musk took over here and exposed all of this stuff. Credit to him for doing that. Uh, absolutely. What's interesting is it wasn't even the government applying pressure. It was the government saying, hey, let's be partners. And once Twitter became a partner, and Jack claims he didn't know anything, I find it to be hard to believe. But once they became partners, it became an arm of the government de facto, which means that they don't have any of these protections. They can no longer tell Seth Dillon you can't say that or the Babylon Bee can't post that. Um, and that's really how egregious it is. You, mm-hmm. Honestly, there's a, a huge class action case if people decided to take it, but hopefully Elon Musk is going to take it to a point to where it actually will be free speech. Do you think Twitter is what it can be yet? Do you think it's, it's still on the way? I think it's a long way to go. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a long time to kind of undo a lot of what was done there uh, and put some new processes in place. And I think he's got a long way to go in terms of coming up with uh, with the revenue that's needed to make this a profitable business, that he's not bleeding money. Um, he's taken this on at a, at a very high cost to himself, both financially and his reputation. He's being attacked like he's never been attacked before. So uh, I like to back people who are willing to take on heat for the truth and to stand up for freedom. Uh, and so, you know, he's got my full support. You actually took me to a great segue to to, um, to Haya, uh, and I was calling her Chaya, but the the, the woman who owns and runs um, the uh, lives of TikTok. Mm-hmm. This account is an account that only does copy and paste. They grab the video. She grabs the videos on TikTok. She puts them on Twitter. Doesn't, generally speaking, make any commentary or opine at all. And she is she's been called the most extreme account. On Twitter, what do you make of that? Now, I'm guessing that you aligned with her because of what you just said. Accounts that are being suppressed, atta- accounts that are being attacked, accounts that aren't, aren't doing anything wrong should have the right to opine and, and post content. Is that what made you reach out to her? I mean, when she was being exposed and doxxed, you know, she's told me she was on the show a couple of weeks ago uh, that she was scared for her life. Yeah, well, yeah, I wanted to support her because I didn't want to see her get um, get canceled and deplatformed and not be able to continue to exercise her right to, like you said, just simply hold a mirror up to these people and post these things that other people are posting so that we get some awareness of what's actually going on. I think there's a huge value to that. Some people, some pundits have called her one of the most important journalists of our time. Uh, and, And I think that's really true because you have so much of the media narrative is to suppress these things and to not expose them. She's getting out there what they don't want you to see. And a lot of it is already up there, like a lot of this stuff with gender affirming care at these hospitals. You know, it's just simply a matter of taking what's on their website and putting it out there for everybody to actually see what's happening. Um, And, you know, the fact that her account is considered so dangerous because it does that. Who is it saying more about them or her? Yeah, no, it's a great point. If it's dangerous to show what they're actually doing, who's doing the dangerous content? It's Seth Dillon. He's the boss of the Babylon Bee. Uh, go to this event in Fort Worth. It's on February 24th. Go to BabylonBeeLive.com, BabylonBeeLive.com. Go and make that happen. Uh, what's interesting to me is as a former journalist, that's what we did. We just went out there. We covered the story and told people what we saw because people were at work or dropping the kids off at soccer practice, or going to the grocery store or at church. They couldn't go and do everything that we could do. She's literally going to another website, grabbing content that people, generally speaking, won't see and exposing it. Seth, do you think at some point, because I think the masses agree with us, but I think they quietly agree with us about gender affirming care, about anybody under 18 going through puberty blockers, which is disgusting, about about the fight here in Texas that an eight-year-old boy is being told by his mother that he's a girl and he has to live as a girl because the judge said so. 
Do you think that people at some point will raise their voices like we do, and then those who think they're in power will understand the power lies with us and maybe stop force-feeding us this? Drag shows for kids? Do you think it'll ever happen to where people will find the, the courage to stand up and speak out like we do? I hope so, and I hope it doesn't take years from now yeah. uh, a tremendous amount of destruction and death, death by suicide with these teenagers. I hope it doesn't take... Um, you know, really drastic and tragic things happening to wake people up to see that a lot of what's being done with this indoctrination, this this confusion that we're cultivating in young people, and it is being cultivated. You know, one of the ideas here is that is that we're simply a more accepting society now, and that's why there's so many trans kids these days. This is a trend. It's popular. It's being cultivated in young people. We're planting this confusion there and then treating it with well, a chemical castration, um, surgeries that, that do irreversible damage right. for life. I mean, this is really crazy stuff that's happening. And I, I just hope it doesn't get to the point where we have so many millions of kids who are impacted by this, who are literally killing themselves and taking their own lives before we finally wake people up to stand up to it. And I think the average American out there is probably saying, nah, they're not doing that to kids. They're not really, come on, they're not really doing But then you expose it. And then Libs of TikTok exposes that. I try to expose it. We have to keep on doing that. I think if we educate the masses, they will be in the know, and then they'll be able to say, wait, wait a second. It's, it's like what happened in Virginia. It's the reason why Yunkin won, because Terry McAuliffe said the, the quiet thing out loud. Parents shouldn't have any, any say in their kids' education. Democrats voted for Yunkin because of that one statement. So we keep exposing them. I guess that's the goal, that, that people will then stand up and say, wait a second, I don't I didn't know this was going on, but I'm not okay with it. Yeah, we have to expose it. And like what, what I say in, in defense of the kind of the moral mission of the Babylon Bee is that these ideas have become sacred and untouchable because we didn't sufficiently mock them. We haven't ridiculed them. You know, a lot of this stuff, that this whole thing with the, the uh, Miss Universe is now being run by a trans person who's identifying as a woman and saying, okay, this is run by women now. This is a male person who's now running this organization saying right. it's now run by women. I mean, these are the kinds of things that should be laughed at instead of lauded. We shouldn't be taking them seriously in the sense that we affirm and accept the things that should be ridiculed and rejected. When we do that, you end up with insanity reigning, and everybody who is sane looks like a lunatic because they're standing by themselves. I love that you're out there. I love that the Babylon Bee does what it does. Go to BabylonBeeLive.com. Find out about the event tickets for the Fort Worth event, which is happening fe- February 24th. So coming up in just about a month, go to BabylonBeeLive.com. Follow Seth on all social. Follow Babylon Bee on all social. Thanks for making some time, man, and thanks for the hard work you do. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Appreciate you promoting the event, too. You got it, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Bag Show. Glad to have you. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate Seth Dillon coming on. Time for some pop. Dirty pop. I follow a quick one. What you got? So the Golden State Warriors made their return to the White House uh, today since uh, they won the championship last year. And oddly enough, you know, they hadn't been there the, pre- the previous two times when President Trump was president. That's right. And uh, uh, by the way, Biden took a knee. When they were there. I, I kid you not. That's Polo. That's Sam. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. This is the Joe Pegg Show.